welcome to the Inspiring Adventure podcast from Vertebrate Publishing, the podcast that connects you to the great outdoors through literature. Welcome to episode six of the Inspiring Adventure podcast. I'm your host, Ray, and this week I'm joined by open water and wild swimmer, Susanna Cruikshank. Susanna moved to Cumbria in 2008 and soon caught the bug for swimming outdoors. In 2016, she set up Susanna Swims to help others access wild places by immersing themselves in open water. Whether you want to dip your toe in a tarn, float down a river or swim across a lake, Susanna's your woman. Susanna is currently putting the finishing touches to her book, Swimming Wild in the Lake District, in which she vividly describes her wild swimming experiences and brings the characteristics of each lake to life. Whether you're an experienced wild swimmer or just dipping your toes in the water, pun definitely intended, you'll find plenty to inspire your next adventure. Hi Susanna, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. We're really keen to hear what you've got to say on this exciting topic of your new book. <laughs> I've, I say dabbled, I've once been on an open water swim. Only once. <laughs> Only once. It's not totally put me off, okay. I'm glad to hear. But what struck me as I lowered myself into the water is you've mm. either got to take this incredibly seriously yeah. and kind of just be up for it, or go in with quite a sense of humour. <laughs> sense of humour is key. <laughs> and uh, Helen's been going through the notes of the book and she said she can hear that all the way through the book, that there oh, is a sense fab. of humour. Yeah, You have to take it seriously because you're taking yourself out of what most people would consider normal. Um, if you're going for a walk, there's a path, there's other people, there's equipment you can go and buy and signposts that tell you where to go. If you go to a swimming bath, there's... Uh, there's people the, there's other people there you've got your lifeguards mm. and things and to go and get into a lake it, it <laughs> yeah it's just not normal for a lot of people so. um, and yeah and dealing with the cold I do tend to find a sense of humour does help with that yes we did um, there, there was three of us who went so there was a lot of singing very loudly yeah, to, to avoid yeah. screaming yeah. very loudly <laughs> as we plunged into very cold waters yeah. <laughs> um what is it that's persuaded you into the water so regularly? Like, um, like you say, it's, it's not a normal decision no. <laughs> to put yourself in cold water. I mean, when I first moved to Cumbria, I came here because I'd fallen in love with the hills. It wasn't the water, even though it's called the Lake District. It was just all about mountains. And I'd had this very suburban upbringing where you'd perhaps paddle in the sea on a holiday. But the idea, I wouldn't have even thought of getting into a lake. So my first few swims in the Lake District were more paddles and dips because you're sort of looking around thinking, is somebody watching me? Is this the right thing to do? Am I allowed to do this? Because if you walk into any shop in Keswick, Ambleside, you know, all these places in the Lake District, you can buy everything to go for a walk or a bike ride or a climb and you can buy yeah. a book to tell you where to go. But there's nothing to say yes or no on the swimming. So it was for quite a few years that it would just be I'd go for a walk at the end of the walk hot and sweaty or whatever just have a little paddle um, and then I was living with a friend called Jude in Keswick and um, 
and uh, she swam in Derwent water every day mm-hmm. and when I was living with her she's got this big old townhouse and she used to make so much noise in the mornings and this is like <laughs> an early start they were out before six o'clock and it, it was a case of <laughs> if you can't beat them join them <laughs> and you know I was awake and there was sort of no escaping um, the noise that was going on in the house at that time of morning but she, what really struck me about it was that she set off with such purpose and when she came back she was like a different person she was ready to face the day she just felt well she was just full of excitement and enthusiasm and it really did pique my curiosity that you know she'd go out not necessarily feeling sort of down or anything like that but um half asleep and then to come back and just be like wow and you're doing all and she was doing all of that before the rest of the world had really woken up and uh yeah and the first time she took me that was it it was it was straight away for me it was like the thing that I didn't realise was missing in my life and then suddenly it's like wow where has this thing been in my life so I think I swam every day for the next two weeks after that oh, her, yeah yeah <laughs> I bought a wetsuit on my lunch break and yeah that was it I was completely sold <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not stopped at that two weeks has it I mean no. you've, you've been doing this for a little while yeah. now <laughs> yeah so I tried to think about when it was but it's de- it's definitely more than five years I mean I've had yeah. my business it was it was the very end of 2016 so that started the business so yeah definitely more than five years I've considered myself to be a proper outdoor swimmer (laughs) rather than just a paddler (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) there's all sorts of of benefits to well to sports in general and and to swimming what have you discovered about that and your career I suppose (laughs) as well as your hobby (laughs) one of the great things that I love about swimming is that you you have to leave everything behind you can't take anything into the water with you and I think that's why a lot of people find it very good um I find it very good for all aspects of my health but a lot of people do get the the mental health benefits from Mm -hmm. it and I think that obviously I, I come from a hill walking background that was when I first came to Cumbria so I'm used to that feeling of dragging yourself up a mountain with a with a backpack and but when you go into the water you have to leave all that behind you can't take your your bag your clothes your phone with you because you can't because you're in water so you get that massive sense of freedom that you're not burdened by anything Mm -hmm. um, and you're floating entirely supported in the water so I find it very reassuring being out in the middle of a lake some people do find it scary the idea that the shore is so far away but for (laughs) me it's just this huge sense of freedom that you can't capture anywhere else just sounds wonderful and it, <laughs> it, is. it is I can't believe you've only done it once and I, my plan has been to go back the weather's putting me off slightly mm. all this cold cold weather <laughs> something lovely uh, tail end of the summer essentially mm. going into the water very hot after a run yeah. and then coming out and mm. was cold certainly yeah. Yeah, yeah. but the sun was out and it yeah. was you know somewhat um, idyllic circumstances I it suppose. does make it easier when the sun's yeah. out yeah I'm not sure I could be inclined to go in and yeah. November December although I don't plan people who do this all year round (laughs) do you have a particular favorite spot that you visit for swimming I've got several I always try because people like to know your top 10 don't they and it changes all the time but uh, I always say don't water is my first love because it's the first place that I did swim properly um, where I swam you know more than 100 meters for example and I just never get tired it's the most boring mundane place in terms of Lake District (laughs) swimming it's just a boat jetty that we swim from and we go down this little channel where there's the shore on one side and an island on the other and when you get to the the end um, of of, of that channel the lake just opens up in front of you and Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I mean, I did. I, when I lived in Keswick, I swam that practically every day and I yeah. never, ever got bored of it because the seasons change, the light changes, and it's just magical. I don't, if, if I could only ever swim one place again, I'm not quite sure where it'd be, probably a tarn or something. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah don't water, first love. Crummet water is probably where I swim most often because it's yeah. most most convenient and it's quiet and clean and... Uh, no one else around (laughs) (laughs) is there anywhere you haven't swum yet that you have on your wish list I've still got a couple of towns to swim in the Lake District that's that's another project that I'm working on and basically I haven't got around all the towns just because they take longer to get to um, my business has taken up a lot of my time um, when I was caring for my, for my dad during his, during his illness I just had not got the time to get out and walk for miles so yeah I, I'd love to to do all the towns in the Lake District and a couple of my friends they've done a, a 200 over 200 um, wow. project so I don't know whether that's feet or meters. I should probably check that. <laughs> uh, but they've they've done that, and uh, you know that's something I'm keen to emulate. Yeah. But th- there's other things like I'd like to swim an ice mile. I'm training yeah. to do that. I'd like to go to, back to the World Championships, um, yeah. swim a bit more around the coast um, yeah. that we've got in the UK. So lots, <laughs> lots of <laughs> the lots. wish list yeah. uh, goes on <laughs> as it were. Is there something about swimming then compared to say hill walking and and other outdoor activities? that seems really special or or different or offers you something new I think it's the instant hit that you get from it's like you're saying how when you you get in and it's that cold straight away it's I I describe it as my my top of the mountain feeling but in a lake and you can achieve it so much quicker Um, it's not that speed is of the essence but I I came to swimming more when my hill walking activities were curtailed. So I was looking after my dad and we used to walk a lot together. When he couldn't walk anymore, it, I, I couldn't do it without him. I just I felt yeah. bad anyway. And he needed me more at home. So I couldn't trek to the top of <laughs> Cat Bells or Grisdale Pike or any of the things that I was used to being able to do just at the drop of the hat. So I was looking for that feeling, but a lot quicker and mm. stripping off and getting in the water. That's <laughs> It's the same feeling. It just happens a, a lot quicker. And yeah. yeah, being in the middle of the lake, that, that perspective that you get, I'm seeing all the familiar hills that I knew like the back of my hand but you're looking at them from the water and you you just come to appreciate them differently Mm. it's quite a different perspective being almost on eye level oh completely yeah on eye level with with sea level as it were yeah and looking up is quite different to standing on top of a mountain and look down yeah (laughs) (laughs) it made me wonder how i ever climbed some of them yeah yeah when you see the the height and the angles from the water Mm. yeah it sounds incredible (laughs) (laughs) wild swimming often seems to be quite focused in very quiet, secluded, isolated spaces. A lot of them have got their own ecologically sensitive issues. And I'm assuming this is something that you're quite familiar with, (laughs) spending so much time in these places. Have you got tips for for other swimmers, perhaps people who are coming to this quite new, about how to really respect those areas and look after them? Biosecurity in the lakes is a massive issue because we've got various invasive species and some of them are ones that were not present a few years ago and now they are. Derwent water is a classic example. It's got New Zealand pygmy weed and as as fast as the National Trust and volunteers and things try to remove it, we're just never going to get rid of it. So it it completely takes over and it displaces um, um, species that should be there naturally. And something that's, it's not just swimmers, it's all lake users, whether you're paddling, whether your dog's going in there for a little bit of a dip. 
you've got to be so careful that when you leave that water you are taking everything you're either leaving all that if you've got anything attached to you um any plants or little bits of weed and stuff mm. you leave it there even better you go home and dispose of it at home so by letting it dry out on hard standing just mm. so that it can't transfer to other areas so when i'm planning walks and swims and things i try and move with the water flow so start at the top of the catchment for example a buttermere is a good one um, because buttermere flows into crumb so I wouldn't necessarily swim in Crummock and then go into Buttermere because you're moving back against the water yeah. um, if I was going to if there's no way around it depending on my route or the group that I've got with me I use fresh swimwear in Buttermere yeah. to, to avoid the spread but yeah generally just look at your map before you go and work out where the water starts and move with it and try not to go from one catchment to another catchment um, it's really simple and easy to do um, yeah there's and there's there is a, f- a chapter on that in the book and you can look mm. it up online and there's uh, various bits of information about it um, the Rivers Trust is a really good one mm. and um, Cumbria n- Cumbria non-native invasive species uh, they've got a project helping to eradicate it so if you google either of those you can get the information online. Safety is a mm. big thing obviously as well like you were saying yeah. at the start this is something that's perhaps slightly more alien than going for a walk yeah. or, or certainly from swimming in a pool yeah. What are the things that people need to bear in mind if they're wanting to try this out and haven't got a starting place yet? (laughs) Um, Obviously, you were saying how it was cold when you got (laughs) in. Uh, when you look at accident statistics um, mm. the Royal Life Saving Society are very good at collecting that kind of information and um, the most susceptible group are men aged 15 to mm. 35 and the peak of those uh, incidents are usually July and August so yeah. that is when we've got the hottest air temperatures yeah. um, usually the warmest lake temperatures but the lakes are never warm <laughs> um, they might be milder I mean they can they can be warm when they're very shallow but what you have to remember is that if it's say you know, 20 degrees air temperature the lake might still be 10 15 there's a massive difference between getting in so um doesn't matter how hot you are don't jump in just get in nice and slowly and acclimatize because it's it's that shock of going Mm. from one extreme to another so i i try where possible to, to get people to just get in nice and steadily and slowly that's the best thing you can do um, at any time of year really mm. I know it's tempting when it's hot <laughs> um, you can jump in once you've acclimatised obviously but I think that's probably the the, the biggest thing is uh, getting people to appreciate how much colder it can be it's yeah. lovely once you're in and you've got yeah. going um, and also a lot of the lakes uh, because they're glacial the way they've been created they've got very steep sides yes, and it's yeah. good to, you can't always tell where they're going to be and um, you can take a couple of steps off what is a nice beach and then all of a sudden you're swimming and the, the ground has gone from beneath you so it's knowing that if that does happen you've got the wherewithal to start swimming and treading water mm. or to just find somewhere better to get in and you can do that by doing your research with the map knowing a little bit about the area knowing which is a, a glacial lake um, and places like Grassmere and Rydal, for example, they don't have these really steep edges, um, whereas Waswater, Buttermere, you can take a couple of steps and you're in and swimming. And especially if you've got kids and you're paddling or having a picnic and things, little things like that to be aware of. I assume there's also something about not going on your own, uh, especially yeah. if you're just starting out, that yeah. there is safety in numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I do it for a living and I, I do swim on my own. 
but within reason um, I don't push it too far I'll perhaps stay parallel to the shore I think if you are just starting out definitely go with a friend everything's more fun when you've got a friend with you <laughs> um, like I, I was swimming with my friend Ali the other day we were going somewhere that was remote it got no phone signal it's sheltered it's icy so we go together because we look out for each other it is somewhere that I would swim on my own but I'm fully aware of the risk and I know that if something went wrong it's totally on me so I would always say have somebody with you somebody that's got your back and even if that person's not in the water with you there's things you can do to have someone on the shore if they perhaps got a throw line or just they're there to reassure you yeah. Um, to say how long you've been in for and to <laughs> so you don't get too carried away <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my experience no. <laughs> it's so easy to do though I think that's yeah. what, probably one of the biggest learning points that people can take from their first couple of swims is aim low yeah. have some energy when you, you're getting out because if you find yourself in the middle of the lake you think oh I want to get out now you've still got to swim out to shore haven't you <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. it's not a quick bail <laughs> no it's not no <laughs> What are your top tips, your do's and don'ts for people who are wanting to get into open water swimming or perhaps people who've started and want to take it a bit more seriously? Probably the top one is um, to find a, a really reputable guide that has possibly got a book coming out next year. Sounds like a good <laughs> yeah, idea, that. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing that you can do when you <laughs> want to get into outdoor swimming. Yeah, do do go book a guide or go with a friend. Like when I first started, I went with a really experienced friend who, I mean, she's just like a machine. She taught me how to, <laughs> she's a phenomenal swimmer and she taught me how to do front crawl and covered you know the safety aspects and things with me and then I've been and uh, done courses myself to improve my my skills and um, safety considerations and things so um, it definitely pays to have that that little bit of professional guidance but there's a lot of groups in the Lake District and various places around the country the Outdoor Swimming Society is a really good place to start because their website has got features on skills where you can find a group Obviously, if you're going with a, a group and it is just peers rather than somebody that's that's leading it professionally, then be aware that there might not necessarily be there somebody there that's going to have your back if something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, safety in numbers, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any particular sort of equipment that you need for this apart from cosy or maybe that's you know not essential <laughs> the only times I've ever run into trouble swimming is when I've not had anything on <laughs> so I like to have a swimsuit on I've had a dog walker that wouldn't leave me alone when I was trying to get out to sea and if I'd had a swimsuit on I would have just stood up and got out but I was very conscious that I hadn't got anything on and I stayed in the sea until he cleared off <laughs> made me very uncomfortable yeah yeah thank you dog walker on Fintorn <laughs> beach um i am a big believer in just getting in um with because when we were kids we didn't have wetsuits we just ran into the sea and when uh, you know and we didn't have all this fancy equipment um i think protecting your feet is a good one mm. i do a litter pick wherever i swim and I've picked up broken bottles, mm. uh, cans, stuff that you're going to cut your feet open with. And when, if you are a little bit cold, you might cut yourself and not realise, and that could have repercussions later on. Especially if you, it's less likely to, to happen when you're somewhere remote. But you could cut your foot open on a rock and not realise that you've injured yourself. And um, so yeah, I've always, I always try and wear a pair of swim shoes. But if you are worried about the temperature. wetsuit it's fine yeah (laughs) a lot of people get quite militant about it so the only way you can swim outdoors is in a swimsuit but I think 
I don't like to stop people having the experience. So if they want to wear everything, if they want to have a balaclava and a five mil wetsuit, that's fine by me. If that's the way they're going to enjoy it, then that's fine. Yeah. I think personally, I don't enjoy it in a wetsuit. <laughs> I do. For, like sometimes it's nice to have the warmth and the buoyancy from it. And that mm. is a key factor in a wetsuit is um, you can usually swim for a little bit longer. But for me, I, I just love the sensation of the water on my skin, whatever the temperature yeah. it is. I've heard lots about things like toe floats. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd recommend? Yes, so the toe floats there for visibility. Mm. And also if you get tired or you have cramp, you can hold on to them. People do call them buoyancy aids, which is wrong. They don't, they don't keep you afloat, they just float behind you. Um, my toe float has always got a whistle attached to it in case I did get into trouble and I needed someone's attention. People always stop for a whistle. You know, you yeah. can shout, but I think everybody stops when you, they hear a whistle blowing. So it's just that recognised distress call in, in the outdoors. <laughs> a lot of the lakes have boats on them. Mm. so the tow float is absolutely key because you're practically invisible as a swimmer and I think it's it's our responsibility to make ourselves as visible as possible mm. but also not to swim um, in in the path of boats because there's so many places we can swim and the boats are quite limited in where they can go so I think the onus is on us as swimmers to A, to avoid those places and B, if you can't avoid them you need your brightly coloured hat, your mm. toe float, your whistle. Sometimes go out with a with a paddler, either a you know paddleboard or a kayaker or something, just for to to keep yeah. So they've got the full visibility. Yeah. But um, the toe floats as well. You can get them as bags, so you can put your clothes in them. Oh, so nifty. yeah, you don't have to leave your stuff on the shore. <laughs> um, you can do, do a walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this wouldn't be a publishing podcast if I didn't ask you about books. So obviously you've got your book coming out. Yes. Um, But are there any other books that you've read that have inspired adventure for you or that are perhaps on your reading list? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really pleased to be going home with the Scottish Island bagging. I've been wanting that well since she advertised it and John did promise me a copy when I finished my manuscript so (laughs) so I'm taking that home now because I I love books that are multi-purpose it might be Mm. a walking book or just a general guide book but I'm always looking at it thinking right where can I swim (laughs) um but I think the one that I've most enjoyed recently was um there's no map in hell the Steve Birkinshaw book because I have got absolutely no aspirations to be a fell runner whatsoever, <laughs> but I, I love watching them and I really, yeah. really love reading about fell running. And obviously it's a landscape that I know really well. I've got no no intention of taking up fell running. Um, it's just, it's insane. For every person that calls me a nutter for getting in cold water, that's how I feel when I see a <laughs> fell runner running down a hill past me. But it's just this incredible feat of, of athleticism mm. and yeah, I, I love watching the dedication and just the sheer hell that they put themselves through and, mm. and I love reading about it when it's done well and um, you know, Steve's kind of local to me and I, I'm mm. familiar with the story and um, the, the Bob Graham round is, is legendary in late district yeah. terms and running in general and it's just a something that I really enjoy reading about it always strikes me as somewhat superhuman maybe yes. because anything past 5k on the flat feels like hell to me yeah. so the idea of running up and down the sides of mountains yeah. is insane yeah, yeah. I, I mean hats off to anyone who can do it <laughs> thank you so much for coming in thanks it's for having me lovely to chat about the water and the mountains <laughs> and everything that is uh, your lifestyle I suppose at the moment thank you thank you Susanna's book, Swimming Wild in the Lake District, 
is due out in April, with pre-orders opening in the new year. It follows the same style as Scottish Island Bagging, which we featured in our very first episode, with stunning photography, practical information and overview maps. It should give you all you need to take a dip, short of a swimming cosy. Although, you will find advice for what sort of kit you might want to invest in. But it isn't just for those looking for their first dip. Susanna has plenty to offer here for more experienced swimmers, including pointers to those seeking out the tranquil hidden gems of the Lake District too, such as the best pubs and cafes for the much-needed post-swim refreshment. Susanna has group swim events up on her website, so if this podcast has caught your interest and you fancy celebrating the winter solstice or Christmas Eve in Derwent Water, or joining Susanna for a swim yoga retreat in Borrowdale in the spring, or ticking off the Scottish island of Mull for a swimming holiday in May or September, head over to susannaswims.co.uk to book your place. If you've got any feedback on this podcast or suggestions for topics to cover or people you'd like to hear from, drop me an email at ray, that's R-A-E, at v-publishing.co.uk. Our next episode is due on Boxing Day, so be prepared to settle in with a turkey sandwich, mince pie and festive tipple to listen to a couple of seasonal extracts from Waymaking. Before then, you can always nip over to our YouTube channel to see John D. Burns' talk about his life in the hills and highlands, which will come out next Thursday. In the meantime, join the conversation by searching for Vertebrate Publishing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube or sign up for our newsletter at the-publishing.co.uk.